Uh, it's great to have everybody here worshiping with us, though. And uh, the uh, we're in the book of Acts. We're almost done with the book of Acts. Shocking, right? Shocking. And don't forget, Acts is all about victory. No matter what is going on in our life, we can still have victory. That's what the whole point of this book is. It's we can have victory no matter what is going on in our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that we can have that through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Marty. Power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. So, the title for today is <clears throat> When Our Ship is Sinking. Anybody feel like your ship is sinking? Sank, sink, sank, sunk. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> what was that? The... Uh, Sank, sunk. Was that the, the Grinch? I think I got the Grinch there. Yep. So, uh, eight, Acts 27, 27 to 44, and now we've been looking at the, the, the S's, the five S's we're going to look at here at 27, 28. We saw Paul sails for Rome. We saw the storm. And now we come to the shipwreck. And after this, we still have stranded and safely at Rome. So we're at the shipwreck now, okay? But uh, speaking of sinking ship, have you ever been on a sinking ship? You ever, you ever been on one before? I remember uh, some of you have been around long enough heard this story when we were in Florida. I went on spring break when I was in college with my friends with, with Bill and Tom, who you guys have met, and then another guy's name was Mark, and then there were some girls that came along, and we connected with some other friends down there. And we, were, we went down. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't even know where we were going to stay. We just got in the car and drove down and we got there and it all worked out you know someone knew someone and we stayed with uh uh build bill's old roommate named jeff and his family there's this awesome family but they would disappear for the day they had to work so we we're there and so we got this idea to go out jeff said hey we can go out and spend a couple of days there's an island they, they live right now like on a river and they there was an island out in the river where they were building a house. But it wasn't built yet, but they had the roof on and some of the walls up. And they said, we can go stay there. So we loaded up this boat. It was really a glorified rowboat with a motor on it. We loaded this up. We all piled in. There were eight of us. I was trying to remember yesterday how many. I think there were eight of us. We threw in some fishing nets and a little bit of food, not, not enough. And we went out and we piled in on this little boat. And as we're going out, the water, you know, is right up to the edge. You know, what is it? The gunwales or whatever it's called. The, the water was lapping over. We were overloaded, right? Eight of us in this glorified rowboat with a motor and chugging along. And we somehow got out to this island. We had a great time. Didn't, we weren't planning on staying as long as we end up staying. We ended up with this net catching mullet. You ever catch mullet? You know, and we caught them and ate them and we were pulling the oysters out of the, out of the water there and just put them right on top of the fire and we there, they would open up and you could eat these salted oysters. We just lived it up. It was awesome. But then it was time to go back to his house. So we pile into the boat. And once again, and once again, it's overloaded. You know, the water's choppy. The water's coming over. You know, right over we're we're going to, you know, it was a little crazy, right? And just, we were about halfway back, and all of a sudden we heard the siren, siren, siren. We looked back, and it was the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard was not heavy. Pulled up beside us, almost swamped us, pulling up beside us. Um, and he starts yelling, he's got a board. I mean, he's from here to there. He didn't need the board, but he's got a board. This is, well, 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 intercom thing, whatever he had. He was like intercom. And, and he's like, this is gross negligence. This is gross negligence. He just kept shouting, gross negligence. I'm not, we, we, we just kept saying it. We're like, oh, no. He goes, how many, you guys are not safe. You could all die. 
We're like, we're swimmers. We were college swimmers, half of us. The other half we weren't worried about, but the half of us were. And so we were like, we're like, he goes, how many life jackets do you even have in that boat? How many do you even have? Now, we, we didn't even know if we had any life jackets. They're under all this junk, you know. So Mark, the guy's name is Mark, he starts pulling out life jackets. We only had four. We had eight people. We only had four. But somehow he counted eight for the life guard, the, the Coast Guard. He was one, two, he counted eight. And I'll never forget the Coast Guard guy goes, only six of those are serviceable. Only six are serviceable. We only had four, you know. And, and it was so funny. We were all like, <laughs> right at the lab, you know, but also a little nervous. And so he goes, all right, you have to, where did you come from? We said, this little island. Go, turn around, go back right now. We're like, we're right, going right there. We can see where we're going. But no, no, go back right now, and you have to drop off four people. You can only bring four, because only four of your life jackets are serviceable. We don't, you know, I mean, you know, so we were like, oh, no. So we had to go all the way back, putt, 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 you know, water to the edge. The Coast Guard's following us. We had to let four people off, and, and then we had to, like, take two trips. It took a long hour, you know, hours. It was ridiculous, right? It was crazy. But um, we, we, they probably saved our, our lives. Well, at least the four people were on the swim team. They saved their life, you know. Although the four of us could have swam. It just would have taken us a while. But the other ones could have had the unserviceable life jackets. They could have... I saved it, but we should have paid attention. We should have paid heed to the boating laws in the first place, right? We should have been paying attention and, and followed those laws. It would have, we would have avoided taking a long way home. Take the long way home. We took the, the long way home twice. We could have avoided doing that. And so many times in life, don't we do the same thing? We don't pay attention to something. You know, we don't. We don't. We we get into deep water. Because we ignore God's word and his warnings to us. We ignore his words and warnings somehow. And, and we end up in deep water and we end up taking the lot longer way than we should have, right? Isn't that what, not nobody here, but you might know someone like that. But anyway, it's never too late to turn to God. We're going to see that today. It's never too late to turn to God. God can save us. God can salvage our life if we turn to him. And sometimes our ship is sinking, not because of anything we did wrong, but because of life, right? It's just life. We hit the obstacles of a life or the effect of sin. It's not our sin, but it's the effect of sin that we're hitting. But I, and it's not even our fault, but we still, these lessons are still the same for us. God can save us, salvage us, no matter what the reason why we're, our ship is sinking. And I hope everybody will be encouraged by Paul's story today it's really really encouraging at the end of the day after the after the shipwreck it's encouraging let's pray father we thank you for the worship especially those songs boy that mighty to save is one of my all-time favorites uh just just thank you so much for the worship thank you for everyone who's here live or live streaming with us we just we know we're all here listening sitting here uh, wherever we are, we're, we're hearing this for a reason that your Holy Spirit wants to do something in our life. You want to help us take a step forward in our, in our journey of faith. And if anybody here who's listening or here has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's uh, read this. This is a wild story. If those of you have read it already know what I'm talking about. So, Acts 27, starting with verse 27. And I, oh, good, we got the words up right behind me anyway. On the 14th night, okay, now again, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. 
they, this, is, this storm went on for 14 days, all right? When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. <clears throat> a short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need to need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached the land in safety. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This was a miracle. All 276 people were saved after 14 days of a monsoon. Think about what it was like. They hit a sandbar. They have a shipwreck. They have to somehow swim to shore. Imagine the terror of these 14 days. Imagine that. This was like, the only way I could compare it would be a plane crash. A plane crash, and you're on a plane, and it crashes, and all 276 people live on the plane. That's what this was like, only it was worse than a plane crash. A plane crash is sheer terror, and it's over. This was 14 days of sheer terror. Beyond our comprehension, right? 14 long days and nights. And then imagine the relief. The relief. Uh, it, it, it's amazing. The ship was lost, completely destroyed. Remember, we talked about that. Didn't listen to the prophets, so they lost their prophets, right? All right. But, but the, the ship was lost but, not, lost, but not a single person. 276 people survived. And it was no coincidence. It was no unexplained mystery. Remember what the angel said to Paul last time? God has heard your prayers and not a single person will be lost because of Paul's prayers. Crazy. Think of a a plane crash. But although they survived, they lost everything. Everything. Because they didn't listen to Paul. They didn't listen to God's word. When Paul spoke God's word, they didn't listen. And now they're going to be stranded. That's going to be the next S next week. All right? They're going to be stranded. But 
But I want to focus, we're going to hit that next time, but I want to look at the, the Holy Spirit's reason for including this story, this part of the story. Because Holy Spirit, everything in the God's Word is the Holy Spirit put there for a purpose, for a reason. And, and His purpose jumps out at us. And this is what I think is the main point of this passage. Whenever we ignore God's Word and God's warnings, there are consequences. Whenever we ignore God's word and God's warning, there are consequences for our life. I remember the movie Jumper. I remember the movie Jumper. The guy he had a, this years ago, twenty years ago now. He could he could jump. He could like go to a different state or a different country, a different location. He could go into banks and steal money. He went everywhere, did whatever he wanted. His Jumper movie. All right. And I'll never forget. He finally gets caught. The, the, the jumper hunter caught him. Remember, it was Morgan Freeman, I think. Morgan Freeman. And I'll never forget. Morgan Freeman finally catches up to him, and and uh, he didn't have him for long. But but he he caught him initially, and he said, "Did you really think there wouldn't be consequences? There are always consequences. God's word teaches that we reap what we sow, right? Uh, so, but I never forgot that line. There are always consequences." And whenever we ignore God's word and warning, there are consequences. Uh, if we refuse to put our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we, we know Jesus died on the cross for our sin, to pay for our sin. We know that by putting our faith in him, we can be forgiven and, and, and receive a brand new etern- life now and forever with God someday. We know, we know that that's what it, it teaches. If we refuse to accept the sacrifice of God's Son, if we refuse that, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us so much he gave his only Son to die on the cross. And, and if we will believe in him, if we put our faith in him, we'll give our life to him, we can have eternal life. But if we ignore that, if we refuse to put our trust in in God's Son, which it teaches in God's Word, then judgment is inevitable. Judgment is inevitable, not just in this life, but culminating in eternal, eternity in hell someday if we refuse to put our faith in God's gift. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. In fact, it says that right after John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But then, verse 36, just a few verses later, where it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on Him. That is the consequence the consequence of ignoring God's word and God's warning, refusing the gift of his son, his son that he gave in our place to die in our place so that we don't have to be live hell on earth here and hell in eternity someday. That, that, so that, that's the consequence. So that's if you're not a Christian, if you refuse to put our faith in Christ, there are consequences. But even as Christians, even after we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we still sometimes ignore God's words and God's warning, don't we? Nobody here, but you might know someone like that. And when that happens, God will discipline us. God will discipline us. Hebrews 12.7. In Hebrews 12.7 it says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And God disciplines us. When we do something wrong, he disciplines us. God knows that God never judges his children. Christians say to me all the time, I think God's judging me, he's punishing me. God never judges his children. 
He does not judge us. He only disciplines us. What's the difference? Discipline is done in love. It's done in love. But it sure feels like punishment, doesn't it, sometimes? Sure feels like judgment sometimes, doesn't it? And it increases, God's discipline increases in intensity as we ignore what he's trying to discipline us for. Like, if he, <clears throat> he starts out with a softer discipline to, to get us back in line. But if we ignore that, it increases in intensity. And it increases in intensity. I tell my kids, you know, I tell them all the time, God starts by with a whisper. And if we don't listen to whisper, you get a, you get a, you know, a, a smack on the head, right? And if you don't listen to that, you get a hit on the butt. You don't listen to that, you get knocked flat, you know? And that's, that's what God does with his discipline. And, and I also tell my kids all along, I've always told them, listen, I, they don't want to listen to me. I said, if you can, you don't, you have a choice. You can listen to me or you can listen to God. You can be disciplined by me or God will discipline you. And, and listen, God spanks a lot harder than I do. You know? <laughs> Don't we all know that, right? But you see, God's goal is to discipline us in love. And his goal is conviction. He convicts us and then he wants to get us to repent so he can forgive us and restore us. That's God's goal is to, 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 for us to be convicted and repent and be restored into a, a, the right relationship with our Heavenly Father. First John 1 John 1.9 talks about this very thing. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is an ongoing, daily thing that we need to do. Constantly, you know, asking for forgiveness and being restored. And, and some, when we do that, we are, we are forgiven. Now, now, that doesn't mean the discipline will disappear immediately because sometimes God knows he's got to keep the discipline going a little longer to drive the lesson home, right? <laughs> right? But, but when we really get the point of the lesson, what God is trying to do of the discipline, then he, he, the discipline will ease and we, have, we can focus on our relationship. But often, this is something also that happens, often when our discipline is finished, we keep beating ourselves up. Right? We, we keep beating ourselves up. And often we get some help from someone else. Who else helps us beat, ourselves, beat us up? Satan. Satan. Yeah, he's happy to jump in and help us. And so many of us mistake a- a- conviction and accusation. We, we keep experiencing accusation and we think it's conviction. But, but if we've already repented, we've already accepted God's discipline... Anything that still is hitting us is not God's conviction. It's not the Holy Spirit's conviction. It's Satan's accusation. And a lot of times we have trouble figuring out the difference. But that's the key. If we've already repented, we've already changed what God was trying to change, anything that keeps hitting us is Satan's accusation. Or we're beating ourselves up, right? So, but, but when it's complete, we're done. God's done. But Satan steps in and tries to keep us down. He tries to beat us down, right? That's what Satan tries to do. He tries to beat us down. In Revelation 12.10, talking about this very thing, where it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. That's what's going to happen in the book of Revelation when Jesus 
coming back again. The accuser of our brothers, Satan, who's accusing us constantly, is going to be hurled down. That's what Satan tries to do. He tries to beat us down. He tries to accuse us. And and good thing is we got someone defending us, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, both defending us before the throne, right? But we have to recognize that accusation. First of all, we have to recognize when we're beating ourselves up. We've got to stop that, right? Overactive uh, conscience. But also, especially, we have to recognize when, when Satan is beating us up, we have to recognize it and fight it with the truth. The very next verse talks about how to fight that accusation. It says this, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how they overcame him. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of Jesus Christ. Whenever you face Satan's accusation, the blood of Jesus Christ. I say that a hundred times a day at least. The blood of Jesus Christ. I've already repented of that. I've already put that in the past. I'm not picking that up again. I'm not going to let Satan beat me with that. I'm not going to beat myself up with it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Remember that. The blood of Jesus Christ. Say it. The blood of Jesus Christ. Every time that accusation, I was. that's under the blood. Whatever I did, whatever I almost did, whatever I, you know, whatever it is, under the blood. Once we take it to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness, it's under the blood. We don't pick it back up again. We don't let Satan beat us with it. So, yes, whenever we ignore God's word, whenever we ignore God's warning, there are painful consequences. But God's mercy, back to this story, God's mercy and grace is always available. Look at these sailors. Look at these soldiers who ignored what Paul said. But they were saved. No matter what, we can be saved. We can be saved, but we can experience God's salvation by going to the cross of Jesus Christ. Once again, John 3.16. I kind of get stuck on this, don't I? Uh, There's a reason for it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We can go to the cross at any time, no matter what we've done. No, anything and everything, we can go to the cross of Jesus Christ and it can be under the blood. We can be washed by the blood, washed away. Yes, there are earthly consequences, right? We do something, you know, you know we, break, we do something, there are earthly consequences. But it can be forgiven and, and it can be forgotten in heaven in eternity. You, you murder somebody, you're going to go to jail. You're going to go to prison, right? Uh, but this Murdoch guy, you know, he, he could put his faith in Jesus Christ in prison right now. He could, it won't change the consequences earthly, but he could be forgiven. I hope he does. He could be forgiven. And it could be completely forgotten in heaven someday. Completely. Every one of us can be saved no matter what we've done. No matter that God's mercy and grace is always available. Uh, and not only that, like this, not only salvation, not only saved, like these soldiers and sellers were saved, their lives were saved, we can be saved spiritually, but also just like the sellers, our lives can be salvaged. Not just saved, but salvaged. Our life can be salvaged. Any life, any mess we've made, even as a Christian, 
Even as after we became a Christian, we make a mess. We we do it, don't we? All right. Uh, that's why we need continual mercy and grace. But we we even as a Christian, we can still go to God for His mercy and grace. In Hebrews four fourteen, it says this: Therefore. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, since we have that high priest, look what it says then. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can go to God's throne of grace for mercy and grace. Mercy is forgiveness, and grace is the strength to to keep on fighting whatever we're dealing with. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. I I said I said the blood of Jesus a hundred times a day. I say mercy and grace a thousand times a day. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. We, we can fall at God's feet and ask for his mercy and grace. No matter what we've done, no matter what mess we've made, no matter how many times we fall to the same old stupid thing, right? We, no matter how, what, what trial we're facing, we can still go for his mercy and grace. And, and the key to receiving God's mercy and grace, to receive that, is to start listening now to God's Word. <laughs> Start listening now. Doesn't matter what we did ten minutes ago. Doesn't matter what we did a second ago. We say, God, I'm going to start listening now. That is the key. The soul, the soldiers and sailors who are in this horrible mess, they listen to God through Paul for the second time. They, the first time, they ignored God, what God said to Paul, and look what happened. Horrible storm and shipwreck and stranded and. Blah blah, you know, on and on and on. It was terrible. But but the second time he talked to them, they listened. Now they were at the end of the rope. Fourteen days of a monsoon, but now they're listening. Now they're responsive, right? And and that 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 is the the difference. Now they they were listened to him the second time. And, and that's what I say to every person who's listening to us. Listen now. Well, if it's salvation, maybe you haven't responded and put your faith in Jesus Christ, but do it now. Put your faith in Jesus Christ now. Now is the day of salvation. It's not too late. If you're still breathing, it's not too late. Defund the cross, remember? Jesus, remember me. Just before you died. It's, it's now is the time. Put your faith in Jesus now. And the same thing for us as... as uh, Maybe you're not a Christian, or maybe you are a Christian. We've got this mess on our hands. You know, listen to God now. Let Him salvage our life now. Whatever, whatever is going on, take our spanking, take our discipline, right? Take it and listen to the Holy Spirit's leading now. Now, we, maybe we haven't listened. We've got a mess. Start listening now. You, you may have really messed up. Well, if you're breathing, you have, right? We have really messed up, right? But God, go to God now. A lot of times people are afraid to go to God. They're like, well, I can't go to him. I, I've really messed up. Like he doesn't know that. Right? He won't know till we go talk to him. He knows that. But he says, 
come to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace. Go to him. And when, when is the best time to go to God? If we're, you know, tempted or gonna on the edge of messing up or when, when is the best time to go to God? Okay, all the time. Now, okay, well, hold on. But the best time, I'm, I'm, you're all right. Everything you said is right. You're right. But before we mess up, right? When we're first tempted or we're first thinking, I don't know if I should do this. Should I get into this boat, you know, you know, with these eight people, you know. You know yeah, that's the best time is before we mess up, right? But when is the second best time? Yeah. Now. Now we got the now. Thank you. Now. Now. That's the second best time. You know, I, I've told this story before about the, the woods catching the woods on fire. We had the, we had the woods and down the slashing, it's called. And, and we used to start fires and we were allowed to start fires in the creek bed, but we weren't supposed to be near, too near the woods. My dad didn't care if we had fires. Yeah, I was like 10 or 11, 12, whatever we were. And, and we would always have fires, lots of fires. Still do. And so anyway, uh, <clears throat> so I remember one time I started a fire and it was right in a, we had this little campsite right along the creek, and and it and it was a hedgerow, a hedgerow, and there's like a, a line of trees there. And I remember starting a fire, and we knew we were supposed to have a little fire, but I let it, we let it get big. My brother, little brother Todd, and I, we let it get big. It started getting bigger and bigger, and and then it started catching the vines up above here. You know, it started catching vines, and and we were like. Well, let's see where let's let's get rid of these vines, you know. And so we were like, let it go a little higher, and and then and then all of a sudden it started getting out of control, and it was like, whoa, we let this we we let this get too big. My dad didn't care about a little fire, but we weren't supposed to make big giant fires without him around. And so so we were like, whoa, this is getting out of control. And then I saw the wind was carrying it along the hedgerow up in the vines and the trees. It was real real thick veget you know vegetation it started going toward the woods the slashing and we didn't care if we burned up some hedgerow stuff but don't you get near the woods you know there's a lot of trees in there and uh, you know you know that was a no-no but we couldn't stop it it just kept going and i remember we were just following it and we got to the edge of the woods and we started hitting it you know we had the you know, sticks and took our shirts off we we're hitting it and we're trying to stop it and we couldn't. The wind was was you know, burning. Now I remember I remember when it first started. It started getting out of control. And I remember thinking, maybe we should get my dad. No, we'll get in trouble. I'm not gonna get my dad. We're gonna get in trouble. We're gonna get in trouble. Let's deal with this myself. We'll deal with this ourselves, right? So it gets to the woods and it's out of control and it's gonna burn the woods up. And I'm like, I'm never thinking. It, we're gonna lose the woods. We're gonna, this is like crazy, right? We're going to lose the woods. And I remember praying, God, please, if somehow you could just save the woods, I'll, I'll change. <laughs> I'll change. And you, you, know, you know what? The wind shifted. The wind shifted the other way. Somehow we stopped. I don't know how. We, we stopped it. It stopped. It went the other way. And I remember we were getting all the la the last embers out so it wouldn't come back into the woods, and we'd get it done. And I and I never remember I remember thinking, uh, you know, we're gonna get away with this. You know, we're gonna we're you know we're gonna we're gonna get away with this. <laughs> repentance changed very quickly, didn't it? And and uh, I think I don't think my dad's gonna find out. And that's when I heard the explosion. It had gone down the other direction of the hedgerow. And one of my dad's friends was getting wood from the hedgerow, and he left the truck parked there. He had a farm truck. And he left it parked there, and he would come back and use it and get wood and then go leave it parked there. 
and, and the, we did, while we're trying to save the woods, it went the other way, and it burned up the tra- truck, and it blew up the gas tank, and it blew up. And we're like, <laughs> it was just a farm, old farm truck, but, you know, people are attached to those, you know. And so, and so I, I never forget. We're like, oh, my, what are we going to do now? And I went home, and fear and trepidation, trying to figure out how can I – you know, make my dad laugh. Because if you get him laugh, he wouldn't hit you as hard. And so uh, <laughs> we, we tried to make him laugh. So I, I, remember, I remember going up to dad and saying, Dad, remember how you said you wanted to burn out that hedgerow sooner or later? Well, Todd and I decided to do it sooner, and we tried to burn it out, but but we, Lee's truck got burned up. Lee's not alive anymore, so I can tell his name. Uh, his truck blew up. And I was just bracing myself, you know. I'll never forget. I was out in the barn. He's milking cows, distracted. That was another key. And uh, and he said, I was just ready to get roasted, right? And he said, I told him not to keep that truck parked on our property. I got sick of that. He deserved, gets what got what he deserved. I was like, there is a God. There is a God, you know. There is a God. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, it was crazy. But. But when, really, when should I have gone to my dad? As soon as it started getting out of control. I could have gotten there. He could have gotten there with his tractor, and it would have been done. But try to deal with myself, Todd and I, my little brother Todd. Right? Uh, you know, we, the, we should have gone right away. But even if you have blown up your life, even if we have blown up our life or our life has blown up and so, so still go, still go, now, still go now for God's mercy and grace. Because God can salvage any mess we have made. His, we, he can salvage any mess and turn it into his message of grace. No matter what it is. No matter what it is. Romans 8.28, how many times have I said this verse? And, for we, and we know that in all things. In what? All things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things. The good, the bad, and the ugly. God still can work his good. And and even when it's not our fault, I keep talking about it's our fault, even when it's not our fault or our sin, but it's the effect of sin, right? It's the effects of sin. God can still work it for good. It may be nothing we did wrong. We're in this sinking ship, but it's we. But we hit something, you know, life, and it, it was the effect of sin. God can still work it for our good, even when that happens. Even we're the, we're the innocent victim, right? You know, we're the drive-by shooting. A lot of us are drive-by shooting victims, not physically, but spiritually or emotionally. Something happened. We would just happen to be standing there, right? And, and something happens to us. Uh, and and when, when life wounds us, right? Wounds us. Or when it blows up on our face. Or we're in our ship just sailing along. We hit that rock and it starts to sink. And then we're like, where did that come from? Where did that iceberg come from, right? Where did that rock come from? And, and our ship is sinking. But God can still work everything together for good. And not only that, God can still work for his very positive purpose his positive purpose paul was affected not he he sank with that ship he didn't do anything wrong did he 
But the soldiers and the sailors were stubborn, and they ignored God. They had stubborn sin. They had they had a they had a stubborn sin, and Paul ended up sinking with them and having to swim with them, right? And stranded with them, which we're going to see next time. But look how God used it for His purpose. You don't think these guys all heard Paul's sermon? And wait till we see next week when he's stranded. Wait till you see how God worked in a powerful way on that island. There were people there that needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wait till we get to that. But God still used it. Uh, and, and God also, apart from that, God used it in Paul's life. God uses these, these ship, these storms, these shipwrecks. He has a constant purpose. No matter what happened. Whatever reason you're in a storm or a shipwreck, whether it was you or someone else, whatever, there's a constant purpose in every one of them. Paul gives that very reason in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. In 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9, he says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Sounds like the ship ride, doesn't it? Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What is the purpose of this terrible trial Paul's talking about? To teach something very, very important. Paul learned complete dependence. He learned complete dependence on that ship and many other trials while he was being stoned, many other trials he went through. He learned total dependence on God's grace. And God has to constantly remind us of that, doesn't he? Because as soon as things go well, we're like, I'm going to get away with this. (laughs) Oh, I don't need my dad now. Fire's going the other way, right? Isn't that true? I constantly, daily, constantly, right? We, 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 but as, we, God is constantly reminding us that we need total dependence. And as we learn that lesson, we experience the peace of God that transcends all understanding. When we're in that place, we have the peace of God. doesn't change the storm. doesn't change the ship sinking. But we have total peace. Look at Paul versus those sailors. He's eating and praying and talking to angels. Right? He's talking to angels. And these guys are all like, you know, not, no hope, no hope. But, but we can experience that peace that transcends all understanding. But first, but first we have to turn to him for salvation. Before he can salvage our life, we have to turn to him for salvation. Before we can be salvaged, we must be saved. We have to be saved from drowning. Every one of us starts out our life drowning spiritually. We have no hope. We're dead in our sins. We have completely alienated from God. We have no, we are drowning. But by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved. That's the first step to having a salvaged life is we have to be saved. We can grab a hold of, you know, just as they grab those pieces of wood. What piece of wood do we have to grab a hold of? The cross. We have to grab that cross. And, and hang on to that cross that Je- where Jesus died for us. John 3, 16. There it is again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you ever put your faith 
in Jesus Christ. Have you ever grabbed a hold of the cross of Jesus to save you? In this life and in the life, the next life, the life to come. Have you ever been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Put yourself under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only cure. We've got all these diseases all over the world right now. There's, they don't have a cure. It's even worse with sin. There is no cure for us spiritually. There's only one cure. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? You can do that now. The best time to do that is now. Right now. A simple prayer of faith. God, I, I repent of my sin, of the garbage in my life, the shame. I don't want it anymore. I believe Jesus died on that cross. Your son died on that cross to nail that sin to that cross, to take it away, to break the power of the old man and the sinful man and to break the power of the world and to break the power of the devil in my life. I believe Jesus died for me and came back to life for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Him. I grab a hold of Jesus and His cross to save me. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then something incredible, amazing has happened to you. Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit into you and brought you to life. Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He has made you something completely new. Your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to tell somebody, tell me. Maybe you have a family member or a friend or somebody at school or somebody at work who's a Christian. Tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and and help you grow in your new life in Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are already have put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we've given up on life or given up on something. But we have hope today because of what we have seen in God's word that our life could be salvaged. Still salvaged. We pray, God, I'm going to listen now. I want to start now. 
I'm going to completely depend on your mercy and grace now. And tomorrow when I mess up again, I'm going to come right back to that throne. Asking for your mercy and grace. Father, I pray that every one of us will remember to be totally dependent on you. To see your Holy Spirit's power work in our life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.